Welcome back, one and all, to The Information Revolution, a podcast for people who work with information. And we've been thinking about the future and thinking about the current state of play. And uh, today, we've decided that we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail. And this will be the first and perhaps short series of uh, discussions around basically what is the current state. Um, and it's fair to say today might be reasonably negative. Uh, and then from there, then we'll talk about um, you know some meaningful ways to actually change things or meaningful directions that we think um, we could be heading. So in terms of doing the usual intros, my name is Michael Upton, um, and I'm an information consultant and director of a little company in Wellington called Metataxis New Zealand. Thanks, Michael. I'm Judy Verno. I'm a director of that same little company in Wellington, and I'm an information architect. And I'm Carl Melrose. I work for Castle Point Systems in Canberra, but uh, need to be clear, my views are my own. Fantastic. Yeah. So this felt like a logical follow-on. Last time we got together, we were talking about skills for the future and so forth, and um, certainly all been party to some conversations and uh, concerning how things are at the moment. And we thought, look, it'd be really negative to just dwell on problems that we have at the moment or issues, you know, issues the industry's facing. But um, we thought, well, let's clear the air and then we'll see how long this takes. <laughs> and then ideally uh, from the next episode onwards, then we can talk about, uh, you know, how, how things could be different. Um, so I'll, I'll kick things off. One thing that's been on my mind recently um, uh, is that there's a lot of conversation around uh, influence and around sort of um, some of the stuff that we really covered off in the people stuff around uh, how you can shift the relationship that you have with your organisation by um, basically being more influential, um, techniques like being able to tell stories, um, techniques about sort of putting yourself in the sort of your internal customer's shoes, having that kind of focus in your work so that you think about how can you help people in your business be organised. And while I really believe that, I also think that a real challenge at the moment is um, you might call it role fit. So it's all very well to say, yeah, I'm going to go and try and do those things. But actually, if you've been put in a box where your box is, I support a document management system and therefore any conversation I have with you where I'm trying to help you um, work better. Uh, the result is that I'm going to suggest something to do with my document management system. Uh, you know, you might be kind of um, hamstrung, really. And and so I think one of the challenges um, that we face on a really practical level in terms of people trying to um, work better is that. For a lot of us, there is a real awareness that the scope of information out there in the organisation is much, much broader than a particular technology set and uh, and a clash between that and the expectations from the business about what's our domain and what's the thing that we work work on. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's a real concern because um, it is quite easy to kind of talk in a big way and, you know, a grand way about how things could be so much better and um, it could have so many exciting opportunities, but I think it raises, um, it basically creates a potential barrier to actually getting there, you know? Um, yeah, and mm. I think I think that's something that people I wonder, feel. I wonder how often 
you get a chance in information management even to have a conversation with senior leadership team or the CE or whoever it is about what are you actually expecting from my mm. department? What what do you think we're here for? What do you want us to be doing? Mm. And and I think that having it as a two-way conversation, like this is what I think we could offer. What do you think about that? I don't see that happening particularly. I mean, not that I have a huge experience of in that area, but yeah, I don't see that conversation happening very often. I think it's more you're appointed into this position. There's a role spec job description. So yeah. this is what you're doing. And it might be a bit of a Which side point, but I don't I don't think I would see that conversation in any reasonably large organization that I don't think that conversation would ever hit the exec, but I think still well, to your or, point yeah. it's like, you know, who who further yeah. up the food chain would you have those conversations sure. with, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a I think there's a natural consequence of, you know, bureaucratic organizations working a little bit like that. But I, you know, as a bit of a symptom, you know, I, I see records being tossed around in organizations. And what I mean by that is that it's one of those business units that's constantly moving yeah. in lots of organizations. You yeah. know, and it's in IT, it's in corporate services, you know, it's in something else it's in something else. But it's kind of become this political football and nobody really wants to own it because I don't think people really know what to do with it. And the one thing that's pretty consistent among about 98% of the organisations I work with is that it is nowhere near the CIO, uh, the CEO and it doesn't have that kind of le- level of visibility. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm really pleased that we're we're talking about this as a sort of foundational piece, you know, because that honest self-appraisal is really important i think if we're going to rebuild this stuff um just something that you were you were talking about there too michael um there's a guy named chris argyris who you know was one of these management scholars you know sort of 40 years ago but the thing he always used to talk about was the theory in action versus the theory in use and it's it's a really simple way of thinking about you know, what people say they're going to do versus what they're actually going to do. And if I look at all of the organisations that, you know, I work with and talk to, the thing that I see is I see, continually see policy that says, you know, every piece of information created or used by a public servant in the pursuance of their yeah. job is a record and must be kept. And then, I, you know, I go into an organisation and, you know, they've got 760 business systems and, you know, 759 of them are non-compliant with all of the regulations that, you know, the policy of the organisation says information must be compliant with. And, you know, I I think that's a really, you know, it's good I think that you started there because I think that's a really telling piece of the the puzzle. And I think it would be okay if, you know, there was a, if we'd taken a maturity approach to records and said that, you know, compliance with this is nirvana, and that's what we want to aim for. But you know what? We're still going to actively manage, you know, these other 759 systems and look after and regulate the quality of the information that's in them. But records has kind of been frozen out of that conversation. And I think that's a real I think that really says a lot about where our, our sort of star is in the organization. Because, you know, those systems are considered, you know, data systems. And partly that's because you know, records ha- records management have over various time periods, 
you know, tried to define those systems out as something that we don't have to manage because they don't have records in them because, you know, they don't, they don't really hold something that looks like a, an looks electronic like a version of, yeah. a, of, a, of a physical document and yeah. so therefore not a record. But now what it just means is that, you know, there's 759 systems in the organisation. Well, you know, there's a bunch of file servers, but, you know, there's probably 750 systems in the organisation that are being, you know, operated and managed by data people. You know, there's sort of nine systems that IT have just ended up with because nobody else will have them. And, you know, it's file servers and those sorts of things. And then there's one system that's sort of seen as the scope of records responsibility and a bunch of file servers that are sort of seen as records problem kind of yeah i i was just looking at um some stats for a whole a list of a huge list of systems for an organization and it it actually was a listing that has systems data catalog it said against each system whether it had a retention and disposal classes attached to it and i think about five percent of them did and that and that's not saying are they actually actioned that's just saying it's possible, but is it being doing? So that's quite interesting. I also wanted to say, um, you, you mentioned the policy and, and what it says about compliance. And I think most information management policies that I've had anything to do with, they always start by saying how much the organization values its information. And you know it's a key asset, and we're going to do all these lovely things. We're going to feed it and water it, and you know really generally look after it. But then what happens? I don't know. <laughs> Something happens, and um, it's no longer the case. Yeah, I mean, so many. You must find this too, Michael. So many inf- information policies say exactly those things about how important it's it the is. Preamble. It's and the policy must, preamble. Yeah, Exactly. We must really look after these things. And then you get your 759 systems that are all doing their own thing. Yeah, I think there, though, there's a there's an interesting – I think it's very easy for us, you know, because we're in records to say, oh, those systems obviously represent the information that's not being looked after. But I think what they really represent is the information that's not being looked after by us. Because yeah. the people that have come along and built those business systems. Yeah. They're you know, looking they're, after them very well, I'm they're sure. They're looking after yeah. them very well and they've built them to manage their work every day. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. It, they make their work form a really orderly queue. And you know what? If you go into those systems, you can figure out the context of the case or whatever the, you know, whatever the individual subject item that you're looking at is. You can figure it out in about five seconds. And you go into the average record system and, you know, <laughs> if you can figure out, you know, you know, if you can go down to the transaction level and figure out what a transaction is actually about in less than 20 minutes, I mean, you're doing really well, which, you know, I, I think we, I think there's something there that records really have to think about because if we can only look after buckets that have documents in them and, you know, if we keep talking about how context is everything and we've got to have amazing metadata for context, well, I mean, if I look at a business system, you know, I, I kind of see a database and then I see, you know, an interface that provides all of the business context and, I see a brilliant record system, but the other thing I see is that we're not managing any of them. And part of that's because, you know, our compliance standards say that, well, it's not it's not up to scratch. So obviously we can't touch it when you know, I, I think it I think it points it to a general sort of lack of pragmatism among it's a regulatory problem, you know, among records regulators. I think it points to a general lack of pragmatism about just how we you know, how we do what we're there to do. 
that that's really hurting us. And I think um, now that you mentioned the regulator thing, if we're talking about the current state of play, I think um, there's real challenges regarding role, scope, and purpose that extend all the way to the regulator. You know, like, and so what's what's the regulator and able to regulate? Um, practically, and what relationships do they have across across their jurisdiction, and what do they see their role as being? Um, and and yeah, I, I I swing in this wild pendulum. I'll say this stuff out loud. Um, you know, having having worked for our local regulator, and you know, uh, so many people who you know really enjoy working with and respect in there that um, when I try and think about what's the point, you know, what's the scope of the, what these people do, if you put aside the whole archival management aspect, you go, well, what what else is there? You know, so, so I, I vacillate between, you know, they should be leading the charge as a kind of a government CIO that really actually means information rather than just CTO, which is usually the de facto for what a CIO does. Um, and on the on the other hand go well maybe they should just stay the hell out <laughs> you know maybe big uh, slightly facetious but you know maybe the focus ought to be on what is going to be of intergenerational value for that jurisdiction for its people um and maybe as a regulator they can step back from all this other stuff that i think clouds people's days um yeah i find it so frustrating when i i talk with professionals who are really trying to achieve things but are saying oh i can't do this because of some specific thing with the regulator and i know that you know the regulator won't turn up to enforce it yes and in most in most jurisdictions and most uh so it's not just a jurisdictional thing but in most most lines of work people aren't waiting on a regulator before they act you know like simple as that people aren't going why don't i you know I can see this opportunity that you know I could jump on and do something with. Um, you know, shall I wait for the regulator to tell me that I can do it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and, and I, but it's, so it's just quickly just to bring it back to that kind of concept of role or whatever. I see I see this thing where people naturally go, all right, well, I exist to basically deliver services within a scope that is defined by the regulation. Mm you know, or the regulator or the, you know, the, the environment as opposed to um, uh, it, it particularly, you know, in New Zealand, basically no one's called records anymore. We're all information management. And, you know, it's like, well, so if that was a meaningful shift, then why are we still just hanging on um, the public records? Yeah, why aren't we saying here's the, here's the 2% of my role that is the regulation and here's the 98% yeah. of my role that's yeah. all about the quality of information that yeah, my absolutely. Like, you know, what are the information sources people need to achieve their work and what quality should that have? And, oh, these aren't records or they're not our records. Well, I don't mind because, you know, because my job isn't just to think about management of my own organisation's records. Yeah. I think one of the... I, I think there's a, a cue there for everybody in records. And, you know, the, the the challenge of every archival jurisdiction that, you know, ac across Australia and New Zealand, at least that I've spoken to, is that the the, the head of those organisations is always a political appointee. And basically what they can do in their role is determined by a type of social licence. And 
I think we can look at the amount of enforcement activity that that they do, and we can get to one of two points of uh, you know from that amount of enforcement activity. And one is that they don't have the political cover to do any enforcement activity because none of them do any enforcement activity. It's a little bit you know it was a little bit New Zealand that was looking promising for a little while that you know now isn't. Um, but either none of them have the political cover to actually go into an agency and do enforcement work, or they just actually don't want to, because they aren't do- they they aren't doing it and haven't doing it. And you know what i I looked I've looked at through annual reports and I have never ever seen you know revenue from fines or anything like that. What I talk about, what I see is a whole bunch of we you know we prefer to advise. And I was talking to someone from one of the regulators um, recently. And, you know, I just, we, we were talking about regulatory overreach. And, you know, what I actually think we've got is I think we've got cultural institutions that, you know, th- their job is to get the, the 0.1% of records that are of long-term enduring historical value, you know, to the state out one end, out the other end of the agencies that they regulate. And I think that's happening. And I think they're pretty happy with it. And... I I think we, yeah, I, I sort of almost don't know how to finish that thought bubble, but I, I, I think there's a bit of regulatory overreach going on there. And look, I got agreement from this person about it as well. And I think there's a, I think they're sort of frustrated by that as well. But I think the basic problem is that, you know, they're, they're trying to regulate 100% of everything. They care about 0.1% of everything, but the records profession kind of moves on as though we are here to implement you know, faithfully implement and faithfully enforce, you know, this regulation. Yeah. But we never get we never get any cover for it. You know, it's not like it is in Australia where, you know, if, if the archives were acting like, you know, Austrac, one of the regulated the the counterterrorism anti money laundering regulator is here, you know, that that keeps handing out fines of, you know, a billion and a bit, you know, to one bank and three quarters of a billion dollars to another bank and you know, we we would never ever have a problem with records, you know, <laughs> being kept in the way they're supposed to be, but it's just it's just not happening, and I can't see it ever happening because that role is a political appointee, and I think um, well, if I'm going to have a go at finishing your thought, thought please, <laughs> please, you. someone finish my thought for me. Um, <laughs> I mean. What I'd say is that, like, you know, we could easily continue having a conversation about regulation and all of that stuff. And for me, what I would hope for most from kind of people working with information, um, whatever your title, is that this becomes a side conversation, a side issue. It's not important to you doing your job. It's not important to conversations within the profession about how we could do good work. Because, you know, um, there are key outcomes there are things we're trying to achieve um there's you know there, there, a, there's certainly this aspect of kind of a, a, you know basically being able to hold government to account a bunch of the stuff that you know part of the legislative purpose um and, and we can keep all that stuff in in our heads or you know in a in in, uh, in our hearts you know like in, in terms of how we think about how to deliver services but ultimately i don't think we can go chasing um, basically, I think it's uh, 
sorry, I'm going to get I'm going to get too sort no. of philosophical on it, but but it's just that classic story about what can you control, right? Like what's within your control, and I can't yeah. control legislation, I can't control the regulator, I can't. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's not for me to. Yeah. Sit around, no, or, and, 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 and sorry, clearly, I'm being overly negative by saying just sit around. But you know, but basically, um, perhaps it's the opposite of sitting around. Perhaps it's invest all my effort in trying to make something change over in that regulatory space. Whereas I just think, you know, note, note, you know, and move on. The regulation yeah. just made us obsessed with 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 getting everything and putting it in this one bucket. And our and our organisations yeah, have yeah. overwhelmingly told us that that's not what they want, and. I think those two things are at conflict. And, you know, I think the way the budget's going for records management generally, you know, it just says that that's not, that's not what people, that's not what organisations want. And if we aren't giving organisations what they want, you know, our budgets are going to keep on going down. And as you say, Michael, you know, there was a, somebody reached out to me a couple of weeks ago via LinkedIn to say, I think I mentioned it on one of the other podcasts, but basically to say that, you know, they'd just taken over records because the whole records team was now gone. And this person's title was data manager. And he was saying, oh, I've never, you know, I'm following your blog and listening to your podcasts now because I, I've, I've never I've never managed records before. But, you know, he's going to come in. He's, his title's data management. And, you know, he's going to treat 98% of his job as making the organization better and 2% of it as complying with my records obligations. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's a place that we're never going to see a records manager in that place ever again. I don't think Interesting. because it's gone. You know, the organization has basically said, we don't want this value proposition, you know, the value proposition that, that, that records has. And, you know, and, and it was a real, just on, I mean, on that same topic, you know, one, I, I was at a, a Rimper event last week and there was a discussion towards the end about records and basically should we ditch records as a label? Because, you know, this, this person was saying that well, every you time should. they- <laughs> well, they were saying they were saying as we every time you know they say oh I'm in records you know somebody either thinks that they have you know vinyl or or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or, or they or they get extremely bored very quickly and don't yeah. want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, and I mean I think that's a catastrophe because I think there is I think the history of records management is one of how organisations you know express strategic power and how governments express strategic power by showing consistency over the long term and. I don't think we're seeing that. And I, I think you can directly tie it back to, you know, regulation and trying to imp- faithfully implement that regulation. I think it's had the, the opposite of the effect it should. Sure. And it's really taken us away from the, the quality of the stuff. You know, most people love structured data. You know, they absolutely love business systems because it just makes their job easy. And, you know, we're kind of stuck with documents because well, you can't put structured data in a system that complies with regulation. And so, you know, it just becomes this, you know, sort of snake eating its tail vicious cycle where... Uh, I think, I mean, an interesting thing, I mean, to me about um, what you're saying, Carl, is that um, when we were talking about skills for the future and I was saying that I thought actually basically interface design of information systems ought to be part of what we're skilling ourselves up to do. Um, And the reason that I think that is because, as you say, line of business systems manage records better than when you're having to faff around with the analogue to paper documents except in in a system. 
um, there will always be lines of business like, you know, in government working with policy and la 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 that are much less, um, you know, procedural, I suppose, or, you know, you're, you're not doing a repeating at scale, you're doing weird stuff every day, you know, um, <laughs> and it'll just be, yeah, and, I mean, and you've still, you, what you want to know is ultimately, you know, has something been drafted? Has it been approved? And has it been, you know, yes, is yes. it the most current? Because that's actually, I mean, it's actually really valuable. There are lots of places where those principles are really valuable, but not 98% of the places that we work. Yeah. But the irony is, you know, um, that, that uh, you said about sort of um, being too focused or not too focused, but very focused on context and rich metadata and stuff. That is what line of business systems do, right? That, that is yes. what they're all about, yes. is basically establishing structured metadata. But is that metadata written around or designed around compliance? No, you know, because because normally if it's done well, then someone actually thought through the information architecture from a perspective Hopefully. other than just compliance. Hopefully. yeah. Yeah. And and does it also mean that actually the just the retention disposal schedules need to be completely rewritten to focus on the very, very important stuff rather than all the stuff? I've, I, yeah, I, mean? I don't know. I mean obviously so. it's really it's really tricky at the moment um to be able to sort out what needs to be kept and what isn't when you've got billions of electronic records, but just and and if you're trying to do that automatically, it's very very hard, as I have experienced, to to uh, be sure that you can automatically classify things correctly. And and the current, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but certainly in New Zealand, the General Disposal Authority really really doesn't support automatic categorising classification very well at all. So should it all just be much much simpler in that respect? So that we really can focus on that five percent that actually needs to be kept. I heard someone yeah, say. I, I, I heard sorry, someone I say at an event relatively recently, like just floating the idea out there that perhaps there could basically be statements of risk around retention, which I think would scare the heck out of a whole lot of people who are used to the idea of yeah. I apply rules because it's basically saying. Sure. I mean, and, 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 you know, risk risk could be flipped on its head as value as well, right? So you could basically say, look, this is this is what's important, these kinds of things. Um, and lots of lots of places would issue statements about what constitutes a good public archive or what are, the, what are your assessment criteria for that. And you could just leave it there and go, you know, over to you. Um, but I think- national, national archives in Australia are kind of leaning that way. Mm. You know, they have a, they've established, you know, three designations of records now, and, you know, I forget mm. them at the bottom two, but the, the first right. one is the core records of the agency. And, you know, they need to be managed compliantly in compliant systems. And then, you know, it's sort of risk-based approaches to the rest, if I remember the standard correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that, is, that is sort of appearing. And, I mean, I think there is a, an understanding that, that that is the reality of what's going on anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, <laughs> I, I, to, to my point about kind of hoping that the regulatory environment can be put aside, <laughs> I kind of think, you know. So then we talk about yeah, it. I yeah, I was going right. to say, we, we, could, have, we could go on and on and on about how things could be different there, but I think also I would just encourage people to go, but they're not, <laughs> and what am I going to do, you know, and, and not yeah. let that hold you back. Yeah. Judy, I'm interested yeah. in your thinking around what you see around around sort of architecture and the structuring of information and things. 
I mean, you know, auto classification and challenges with that. Obviously, that's one part of that, but I'm sure you've got other thoughts. Um, just in terms of challenges around structuring, and I think certainly um, here, there's the organisations who are who are putting in new systems are realising that they need to put more thought into the information architecture, but how that actually manifests itself is another question. I think there's a growing understanding that you can't just put in whatever whatever the system is in terms of a EDRMS or or however content management system, whatever we want to call this repository. Um, there's a growing understanding that it needs some thought, but that doesn't need to mean to say that it's done particularly well still. Mm. Um, I mean, I've certainly seen a couple of organizations, well, probably more than a couple of, you know, build an information architecture and then implement it either not at all or very badly, um, which then uh, causes even more problems because the, um, the users are just going to really get pissed off about that if I can say so um, especially when I mean I can think of one particular instance where the users were absolutely really engaged in the whole process of a new system and really enthusiastic and all for it and but it uh, the IA was really compressed down to not very much at all so that the outcome was not good because because oh, it's going to cost too much. Oh, really? So it still costs. Yeah, and and I think uh, a lack of understanding of of what it really means from from the the techie people, from the IT guys. You know what what does that really mean? How are people going to use this? Well, it's just technology, and the technology does this, 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 and this. So that's fine. And um, interestingly, I I asked my my colleagues in Metataxis UK what they're finding um, around uh, <laughs> things that are not going well or unhappinesses or, or whatever or just the experience of, of um, users in the UK and they said the last point there's a whole they, they really got into this by the way and well, gave me on a bundle of stuff yeah. but um a really interesting point I thought at the end was it says our experience of uh, Microsoft 365 functionality is moving well ahead of user requirements and abilities. There's a lot more we can do in 365, but our users are still in the business of, of, of just building the containers for their documents. They're really not taking proper advantage. They're a long way from exploiting what 365 can do for them or realizing the benefits. So so they say, we're forever building foundations and not doing the cool stuff, which is interesting. It's an interesting point. Uh, my small experience around this over here is that some of the cool stuff does get put in, but not but not um, governed properly. Mm. So you're absolutely back to looking in so many different places. I'm yeah, currently struggling with that a bit with a client, knowing where to find stuff in all the different places it, it could be. They also say users are finding it extremely difficult to make the mental shift from folder paradigm to making more use of metadata. So, you know, same old, same old, really. And I that's... That. Yeah, that that is really hard. They say it's a massive issue. 
What I'd and, say about that also, specifically is, yeah, is yeah. I see that when you're still working with documents, you know, and so that's that's where I come back and get banging on about that concept of basically building a line of business system for almost any line of business is that when people are basically guided through a process by the interface of a system, the idea that at some point you attach a document is no no stress, you know, no stretch. And the rest of yeah. the process has been about capturing and updating metadata. And it's, but it's just not framed at all in the sense of, yeah. you know, the, the kind of horrors it's, of it's having an, an EDRMS where you have fifteen fields. Yeah. It's not that. It's 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 process. Uh, there's an interface, and I'm I'm going to put this this piece of metadata in here because you know what? In three weeks' time, I'm going to come back to this case I'm working on, mm. and I'm going to need to refer to that metadata to remember where I was up to. Yep. And, and I've yeah, done it before, example. and I remember that it was yeah. useful last time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's yeah. a, a I th challenge I for think, us. I think if you can make your metadata as absolutely tied to what the users really need, <laughs> obviously, I mean, obviously, but uh, but I think that's not think always done. You know, I, really I understanding need... what they need. And they'll tell you that actually it would be really useful to have this, this and this because that's how they want to look for stuff. And then you can organize around, well, how can we help this to get attributed to the content automatically? I think so we've that got to go, you have to do very little. I think we've got to go beyond need, though, because when we oh go beyond need, right? When we when we talk about need, you know, we we kind of say think about it as though, what do people need to, you know, move forward? Or, or sorry, what what do people need to find something? Or you know, what are the things that you'll need to find something? And people rattle off a list of fourteen different things, and then they prove to us that they don't need any of that stuff by going to <laughs> you know the the whatever structure they're currently keep you know whatever bucket of documents they're currently keeping in and yeah. finding things just fine without any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think what we yeah I, I it think needs we've got to, be to distinguish tested. between yeah, and I think when I think it has to be more than I agree with that. The need, you know, the way we sort of contextualise need, I think it needs to be, yeah. needs to be, you know, now I can't stop using the word. Um, but, you know, it has to be that thing that they cannot move forward without, you know. Right. So it's that thing where, or, or that thing that's going to save them a lot of time. So, you know, if yeah. they've got a business process, they need to move forward. Well, they either need to, you know, read through the 14 documents that they've attached to this thing to figure out where it's up to, or they can just go to the little button at the top that tells them what stage the process is at and then they don't have to think about it because they've got the little bit of metadata they've yeah. populated at the top that, yep. you know, I think it needs to be. Needs to be. <laughs> 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 I think yeah, it has yeah, to be yeah, that but... kind of thing. So uh, to generalise from what you're saying, Carl, because I 100% agree with that, sounds like we both do, that um, the another thing that I think is an issue in the state of play at the moment is that we're, many of us are, are really unsophisticated when it comes to actually understanding the business. So we say these big words about needing to understand the business, but if you go out there and go, can you tell me what you need and I'll turn it into a list of metadata for you, then that's probably rubbish. But if, you know, if we develop those, I'm basically talking about like customer design kind of, you know, design experience, mm. whatever, those kinds yeah. of words, those kind of skills, um, again, coming back yet again to the idea that perhaps some business analysis type Techniques absolutely. Yeah. Do we understand the business? Yeah, yeah, do we yeah. actually understand the business at the process level? You know, what's the process these people are doing every yeah, day? Absolutely. How do they execute it? And and, and very pragmatically, 
if I'm going to go and talk to some people who are, you know, in order to deliver something for them or to understand what they're doing, can I do that in a way more sophisticated way than having a checklist of questions that don't actually get oh, the answers, God, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. all that stuff, like, can I observe what you're doing? Um, if I deleted these documents, what would you do next? You know, those kinds of things that mm. elicit answers from people in a meaningful way rather than mm. saying, what do you need when people just Absolutely. make stuff up about should some, rather than reality. Can you bring some core documents to our meeting? Can you explain yeah, yeah. to me how you use them? Yeah. Can you explain to me what they're related to? Mm. All of that kind of, you know, how yeah. you would work through this. What's the process? If I threw these documents out, what would happen tomorrow? <laughs> I like questions well, that's, like that's, that. I've never asked that question, I love it. actually, I love but it, it is a good question. It is a good question. If you couldn't access this information, <laughs> what would you do next? Yeah. And people go, oh, well, let's just go back to the website to get it. It's like, oh, so it's just public. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you oh, know, yes. Those kinds of things. About, what does this tell us about the state of play in records? Because I, I, I think we're... I think we're talking about things that are challenges, but I, I, I'm I'm unclear about how we generalise this to you know the state of play in records at the moment and what it means for for the industry and how we proceed. Fair enough. I think. Um, What's the general overarching point? Well, I'm going to go back to where I started, is it, is it, which is about that that idea of role fit and about basically, you know, I. I'm I'm sure that we could have a future conversation about you know <laughs> that, and I think yeah. I think fundamentally that that's one of the things that we've yet to cover in this podcast. When we think about all the other stuff about you know telling good stories and about you know being meaning you know meaningful stuff, I think I think one of the challenges that is is a kind of a a kind of concrete or a, a blocker to shifting the state of play. Is is just the idea that people feel stuck in a role that wouldn't actually allow them to do we, the things that we're all saying. Oh, you know, well, why don't you just start doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree mm -hmm. completely. I think we're playing a role that our organisations don't value, and I think they're. I think I read a blog post about this recently. Actually, they're, they're <laughs> telling us that they don't value it by continually reducing our funding and ignoring us, and you know, putting us further and further down in the organisation. And, you know, I, I think we're going to start reading between those lines and we're going to figure out a way to break out of that role yeah. that we're in. That's the $65,000 question, isn't it? How do we make that change? Dollars, you know, it's like this, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think that's the, that's the meaningful, that's the really meaningful conversation for us over the next. And yeah. I think that's what, I think, I mean, I think as an overarching thing, I think it's partly what we've been aiming at with the whole time we've been talking, you know, 10 ep or 11, however many I episodes. Guess, I guess you're there. right. Mm, for sure. For sure, and I think yeah. I think I guess part of this is is that thing that we I think we've had really great conversations around sort of specific techniques and things that you can deploy, and you know encourage everyone to go and have a listen and see whether you agree. Um, and sometimes you're still just bang up against this point where it's like, yeah, well, I'd love to do those things, but it's just not my job. <laughs> mm. So yeah, great. I, th I reckon in terms of where we're at today, um, that might be enough. Focusing on kind of the doom and gloom of. <laughs> Have we been negative enough for you, Michael? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I don't, and I, I don't actually feel like you know this was that negative. You no, know? it wasn't. I don't think it we. Wasn't. I don't know. Uh, because I don't, you know, I just don't think we're those people. Um, <laughs> but I think it certainly set some of the foundation for 
you know, and I mean, I think if we just look at the, if I think if everybody looking at greed that, you know, they don't have the kind of budget they have to, they, they'd like to manage the problems at the scale that they'd like to, you know, I mean, I think that's a good signal to everybody in records that, you know, our organizations have a lot more things that they value a lot more and they're funding those things and they're not funding us. And, you know, until we can break out of that, things are going to be a bit dire. Right. So in terms of in terms of the kinds of things that we've been, uh, you know, we, uh, that three of us talked about before this episode, um, we, we are thinking about uh, coming back to that idea of role, um, thinking about the idea of developing positive cycles that, you know, the opposite of a vicious circle um, yeah, in terms of our work circle. life. Um, I think we'll, we'll try and hit some real specifics about some things that you could do differently right now rather than just sort of dreaming of a glorious future. And we've definitely been talking about the idea of making a good system. Like, how, what does that actually take? And then, you know, what does that mean for our work? So just putting that out there as some ideas. Anyone listening to this, if you have other things that you want to cover off or you want us to tackle on any of those topics, then please do let us know. Otherwise, thanks, Carl. Thanks, Judy. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.